Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Bradley, John Charles Ciccarelli, James Burroughs, and Damian Hallwood. Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Tales from the Tables. Yeah, 26. Yeah. Next Crazy week work. will be the date Six of my birthday, right? 27th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Do you guys have lucky numbers? Yeah. Four. 13. <laughs> 13. Yeah, oh, really? Two. 22, yeah. 22 for some reason. Oh, nice. Any history Rob? behind? Any history? Uh, 20, 28. I was just about to ask oh. you guys if you, had, if you guys had any, any history with your numbers. But um, basically, I was at a casino in um, Las Vegas about uh 10 years ago yeah 10 Ooh. years ago and i was it was the middle of the day i started playing some roulette and i was just like putting like you know a dollar on it was like a dollar table or whatever not really sort of thinking about what i was doing and the croupier literally just leaned over to me and went put it on black 28 oh like and i was like okay yes so like, sir I moved my chips <laughs> to black 28 and it came in and he just looked at me and went i went i went and I was like, how the fucking hell did he know that? Is it is it rigged? Rob, I don't I don't think that was the croupier. <laughs> I think that was the devil in disguise right there. And he yeah, was right. just like, come stay just in soul Vegas soul a soul while, soul Robert. Soul, yeah. <laughs> so Rob doesn't have a soul anymore. Yeah, right. We actually um the same day <clears throat> oh, excuse me. The same day, in fact, when we were there, we, we were just leaving. It was Labor Day weekend. Mm. And we were just we were just leaving to go back to LA, and uh, it was during the day. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and we started playing blackjack. And my mate had like a hundred dollars left in his pocket. We started playing blackjack, and he's like a pretty good blackjack player. Mm-hmm. And he just kept winning and winning and winning. And before we know it, that that hundred dollars became a thousand dollars. Then it became two thousand dollars. Then it became $5,000 and the croupier uh, called over to guest relations and the guest relations came over to us and was like, gentlemen, 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 what are you, uh, what are your plans for the rest of the, of your time here in Vegas? And we were like, oh, we're actually getting the car out from the valet and we're going to be driving home uh, back to LA. And he was like, look, he's like, we're at the Bellagio. And he was like, look, um, oh wow, how about this? How about we give you guys a suite for tonight? We'll get you a table set up at the club. And we'll get you a driver to take you everywhere you like, all over Vegas, if you just stay with us for one one more night. Our pleasure. The reason they did it was because every time we kept winning, we were like going, yeah, woo, woo. And the croupier mm. said to us, was like, be, she was like going, be louder, be louder. And so we were like, okay. So we were, as we were being louder, <laughs> pe- people were coming to the tables. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they started Inspired playing. by your success. And they, and they, yeah, and they were like, you guys are the kind of guys we like. So here's a free fucking night. Nice. <laughs> Our suite was amazing. We had two Good hot tubs God. in it. We had two hot tubs. And, and that and that five grand got spent in their club. Well, of, yeah, course. That's, that's, of course. That's another they gave us, they gave us a table. Yeah. We got champagne. We got the whole yeah. fucking works. Who got sent Girl, up to your girls room, came over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, loads of girls came over. That, that all happened. Yeah, yeah, that all happened. My <laughs> God. Yeah, I was, I was a single man back then. It was fun. It's just yeah. it, it's, it's such great. a it's such an intricate system. I'm not even I'm not even dissing it right now. Uh, although as much as I would like to, you know, as like the starving artist, but it's it works so well. They know every screw to twist. They are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We'll set you up with all these amenities. It basically costs us nothing. But here's what it 
will like here's the stuff you can buy and then yeah there you go you're fine yeah right boom yeah we, we right. actually gave it back to them yep we won it <laughs> so we gave wins. it back we gave it back like clever clever motherfuckers clever girls <laughs> yeah. oh really cool hey vegas is very topical right now obviously oh yeah sure yeah yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. 49, was... the 49ers one right didn't they no. yeah sure <laughs> no, <laughs> no, kansas, kansas city yeah kansas yeah city, that's like kansas, kansas city. city they were they actually so again we, we talked about this last week i'm not that much of a football fan um but it was a very good game it, it got electric towards the last bit for sure it did yeah um um, yeah, it was it was interesting and fun to watch, and I, I found myself invested mostly because one of my good players is a, a big uh, Kansas City fan, so I was rooting for them just oh, so okay. I wouldn't have a pissy player the following week, <laughs> uh, <fair laughs> and that they would show up and not be mopey. So uh-huh. I was like, "Yeah, come on, make him happy!" And people were like, "Woo!" It was a bunch of actors watching football, so you know, <laughs> take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. Did you ever used to get? Do you ever used to get hassle from the coach to play? Because you, because obviously you're quite a big guy. Yeah, yeah, I did actually. And I was, I was in marching band. We did a lot of, uh, you know, performances at the at the field and stuff. And I was back then. I was big and like in relatively good shape. And so yeah, a few times people would come and be like, "Yo, you ever think about playing football?" And I was like yes sure i'm i would love to that's the one where i, I get a bat right and they're like okay yeah let's move on to the next guy okay. <laughs> that's how i got them to stay away <laughs> yeah, yeah cool fair. no yeah it was good yeah kept me awake till till four in the morning watching it so um oh yeah. god right yeah very very good Sorry, yeah it went yeah it went into overtime so yeah, it did it did that's that's when it got good it was yeah, it did, every yeah. time it's when kansas city woke up and they were like oh yeah we we, we do have an offense we can do this <laughs> it's a miracle we wow. did. i didn't run into like a food coma before then because um i was i actually went and watched it with a load of with a load of my my dnd players um nice. so we're at um, one of the houses um and yeah just had like a feast of ribs and wings and, Ooh. <laughs> and oh you had a you had a better Classic. one than i did yeah it was um i mean yeah. we had a great a great time but it was mostly snacks and someone brought a veggie platter that i think went real bad real fast so the room sank quite quite <laughs> oh, badly God. and we were like oh boy all right <laughs> let's seal it up <laughs> so some carrot sticks and cucumber sticks that mm. i did actually mm. eat quite a lot of because <laughs> i am a sucker for crunchy vegetable sticks <laughs> Nice. Good to know. Oh, now yeah. you guys know how to get to James's heart. Uh, yeah. Crunchy vegetable Crunchy sticks. sticks. Yeah. Crunchy you, want in, you want advantage on your next inspiration roll at Roll Dark Fest or, or your next. Oh yeah! Just... If you're at my table at Roll Dark Fest, you want to bring crunchy vegetable sticks for me. Perfect. Brilliant. I'll take speaking, any, any. Speaking dip. of, um, speaking of, oh, yes. I'm just going to move my camera a second. Look what I've got. Uh huh. Oh. oh, the Jenga Tower of Doom. <laughs> oh no! What's Massive. Look how look how look how Vigo's looking at it. <laughs> Vigo the car baby's like yes Robert. he's infusing Remove it with his no Robert that's what you want to do oh god Just it's huge it down. is that as big as it looks is that like half the size so of your I'll shelf come and, I'll, come and, I'll, come and, I'll go and stand next to it one second oh boy looks to be about three I know feet it's, tall I know it's on the yeah. desk but yeah it looks yeah, it's about Robert's Oh my god, he's okay, head. listeners, he's standing next to it right now it is half Robert's height that's yeah, crazy yeah. Yeah. oh From man the waist to the head I was going to get two of them and just stack them up, but I thought, actually, that's probably a bit overkill. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to bring it over to the camera, and I was like, don't do it. Yeah, right. I think it's, I think it's a bit too... I mean, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a good size, but I think if I went any bigger than this, 
bearing in mind it will still get bigger because people will remove blocks and put them and on then the top. Put on top, yeah. So, so it will actually get. I think it, it gets to about five feet, five foot tall. Do we need a step ladder? <laughs> might do, yeah. It might might need do. And like, because I, I was thinking about a couple of the of the team players I'm going to have there, and I'm like, I can't put a couple. It's of not going to. It's not going to. It's not going to be on this table here. I'll have it on like a smaller table. Yeah. yeah. Helmets too, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Riot shields prevent yeah. the fall of the blocks. I might have to. I might have to put in um, a disclaimer when uh, just saying like, if you if you decide to remove a block from the Jenga tower, you do so at your own risk. Mm, that's actually probably a good idea. Yeah, I've got yeah. put a disclaimer because, because like if it does, because they, they are heavy, they're pretty heavy blocks. I mean, they're, they're hefty. Imagine if it fell now. Oh jeez, <laughs> yeah. it's like a brick. Yeah. Good yeah, God. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty big. Nice. So yeah, yeah I'm trying to I'm cool. trying to think of ways see, to James, make it James more is, like, dangerous. Salivating over it. It was it was <laughs> seven seventy quid on Amazon. Gosh. The the bigger one was three hundred and fifty pounds, which is like Ooh, basically wow. the same the same size, but from the bottom from the ground like through the table up to the top like that. Oh wow! So that was hey, like Rob, you're controlling the playlist. I think when we we unveil it, like you know, pull the curtain back or pull the yeah. sheet off of it, you need to have like Carmina Burana playing like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that that'd is be massive. Nice. Although, although the guy, the guy that was doing the music at the last one, the, the the son of the owner of the venue, is now doing his pilots training, and the the father's taken over, and he's been asking me some really, really like the sort of questions that you're like, you probably don't, you don't quite understand what it is we're doing. Oh, oh so so like so like so basically, cause basically, I said to him, I was like, can we just have exactly what we had last time, please? Just exactly uh-huh. what we had last time. Right. That's all we need. And he's like, and he's like trying to charge us extra for the stuff that we had last time anyway. No, no. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's what we got last time for the money that we paid. Why are you trying yeah. to charge us more? Like, Whip him back into place. Fucking no. fuckers. <laughs> hope, hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I hope, <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Maybe he's like, I should listen to the podcast and figure out what they're actually about and what they're doing. And he tunes into this episode. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Let's, let's not name his name. John from the medieval hall. Let's not say his name. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> hey ho. Well, oh, well, anyway, but so uh, what, what news have we got this week, Damien? I, I understand there's quite a bit, isn't there? Yeah. So, um, it's it's humbling to learn. Speaking to people who are clearly listening to the podcast, um, oh. clearly Wizards of the Coast are listening Yay. to our podcast. Hi, Wizards. Hi, it. Jeremy. <laughs> sorry, every sorry about everything I said last time. Yeah, well, right. it seems that you lit a fire under them, JC, because your comment on us having no roadmap for 2024 for Dungeons and Dragons has prompted them within days of our podcast coming out to release a roadmap for what's happening with Dungeons and Dragons in 2024. Uh, <laughs> freaking za, finally. Good. Also, by the way, Wizards of the Coast, you need to hire John Charles Ceccarelli, okay? <laughs> he runs great games. Uh, you can't really continue without him. Make sure he does D&D in a castle, all that jazz. We'll, we'll plug, I'll plug Roll Dark while we're doing it. Don't worry, guys. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. sure. <laughs> sure. sure Just putting it out there, you never know. <laughs> um, where, where, can we, where can we find the roadmap, Damien? Uh, they actually sent it out on an email, but I am looking at the EN World article, which has it all spread out for yes. convenience. Nice. Um, and I'll go through it step by step. But uh, like a 
Barovian secret, I'm going to bury this lead for a couple of seconds and just uh-huh. mention a couple of other things uh, very quickly before, because I imagine we're going to dive pretty deep into this because it's it's everything that we talked about last week with actual dates. Um, so really quick, I'm just going to shout out a couple of releases. Uh, I would be remiss for not mentioning that Modifius are releasing a uh, short tactical campaign for Star Trek Adventures based on the Federation Klingon War, um, which takes place uh, beginning first season of Discovery, that era. Um, So all of the artwork and and races and things is is based around that. Uh, So that would be a really... Even if you don't particularly like discovery or the way discovery was was sort of written or because it was quite it was quite dark wasn't it it was quite a bleak show in comparison yeah, it to was. other star trek um you could, was, yeah. the idea of the klingon federation war irrespective of that telling of it is a really rich thing to examine um mm. a lot of popular star trek sees the klingon and federation as allies um apart from that brief stint in ds9 where they got mad but um <laughs> Yeah, the, this could be a really rich playground, uh, and the idea of a, a, a war setting—you uh, know, the, the war map of the the, uh, the galaxy as we know it, with all the Klingon symbols all over it and Federation symbols all over it—could be a really rich playground for for doing a, a nice tactical war space battle campaign. So that sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool setting to go with. It's nice um, to have the option to do something like that rather than ju- like stick to something that is the same as everything else it's nice to have the option to if you really want to do a tactical sort of war campaign set in the star trek world to have a book that sort of guides you through it and gives you a setting it's, it's kind well of- you're absolutely just, right yeah i'm actually just I, so I have never seen discovery but i'm looking at the poster now and i'm like wait that's anthony rap wait a second that's michelle yo wait yeah. a second that's um Isaac. oh god i'm blanking on the name right now but the uh he played Mouth so many stats. good villain roles um <laughs> No, uh, Jason Isaacs. Ju- in it yeah, Jason well. Isaacs. Isaacs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is Whoa. superb in it too. Mm. That's a stacked cast for this. Wow. It's, it is. I really like Discovery. I I know that it's not sort of as traditional Star Trek as other seasons are, but I did really like it. And I think it's the problem I've had with with old Star Trek is that for whatever reason I I missed it when I was mm. really young. So mm. it all looks horribly dated to me mm-hmm, and i just mm-hmm. and just now going back to it i struggle because i don't and I, it's weird because i don't struggle with like watching the never-ending story now and and things like that where it is it is dated but i have that nostalgia for it and that carries yeah. me through it the problem is i yeah. don't have that for star trek so watching the original series especially and even to a certain extent um next generation yeah tng Early, early TNG. What about, what about yeah. the movies? What about the movies? I yeah, also the same. I, I, first, first, first contact's fucking excellent. It is like amazing. One of, that's like film. one of my that's one of my favorite films. It's like up there in my top ten. Is that a first contact? <laughs> is that an OG or a TNG? Uh, next, next generation. It's when um, it's when the Borg when the when the Borg invade Earth. It's fucking oh, cool. sick. It's so sick, and they have to travel back in time to like when um, what's his chops? Uh, the dude. Stefan Cochran, Cochran, yeah, who he who basically founded warp 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 drive capability, made con- oh, made first nice. contact with the Vulcans, and he traveled back to like basically make that happen, so that in order to save the whole of Earth, it's it's really is this the one really oh, well, good? Okay, I guess spoilers for a movie that came out in '96, but this is the one where Picard gets turned into one of the Borgs. 
No, that was in the show. That was actually in the show. Oh, that was in the Lec- show. Lacutus. Oh, Lacutus. Honestly, I have that, so much catching up to do. That's reference. It's kind of like the sequel to that episode. Ah, uh, gotcha. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have only the a fragment of nostalgia for TNG because as I was very young, my dad would watch reruns, which is hilarious because my dad doesn't like anything fantasy or sci-fi. He's a very practical grounded person. So it goes to show how important and how awesome this show was that he would watch reruns of it when I was maybe 5 or 6 and it was the first thing I ever learned to monologue was the intro. Uh, the final frontier like i was five years old like reciting that and they were so proud of me and so i have that working on my side but i i've always intended to go back and really watch it cover to cover really if you if you if you if you watch them now as an adult and if you approach it with like a philosophical political and cultural sort of standpoint you'll be surprised at how insightful it is like yeah. there's there's so many philosophical um like because obviously with, with star trek the whole purpose of them is to be explorers and they're exploring the mm. galaxy and as they do that they interact with different races but you've obviously got that that rule um the prime directive where they can't interact mm-hmm. with <clears throat> any species that haven't developed warp capability because right. they, they feel that they wouldn't they wouldn't they're not ready to have that kind of relationship. And it's interesting because when you think about it, it's like, it's like there's every episode they have, there's always, it's always something going on within a culture. They have to sort of try and organize, but they can't get too involved in it. They have to stand out from the, from an outside perspective. You've also got Q who's an incredibly, I love Q. I've, I've watched everything with Q in it just because (laughs) I love how chaotic and low-key he is basically yeah, he, yeah he's 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 like the um when he comes into their world it's he's like the he's like the inevitability of chaos yeah he's it's, in it's, episode it's really, one it's really of interesting yeah 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 <clears throat> if you watch it to be entertained you might not be entertained if you watch it to try and like understand a bit more about human humanity you'll probably come away with it like wow that was really interesting yeah you know, yeah, it, you are right, and it is it, to kind of float it back to to James's point about playing a war campaign in Star Trek. There are both camps, right? The, the majority of people fell in love with Star Trek for that reason—the philosophy and the and and the yeah. politics and the the sort of hard science fiction and the the utopia of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still a lot of fun in seeing all the ships flying around a giant board cube, blowing chunks off of it while it's trying to assimilate them. There is oh, still yeah. that part of it that Sick. is thrilling. So <laughs> yeah. That it, sounds cool. It's nice that they're actually they've done all the the utopian stuff and they're they're giving yeah. you that, as James said, that chance to do the because fighting Klingons, it doesn't get much more savage than that, does it? it that's mm. that's brutal. And every time it's depicted in shows, uh, shout out to my favorite modern Star Trek show at the minute, Strange New Worlds. Um, that looks really good yeah. just from what excellent. i've seen of it it's yeah. really good uh, season yeah. two is awesome uh, and that does that floats the line of of utopia and, and very original star trek feeling but also has a few really dark and brutal episodes and one of them does involve scrapping with the klingons and it's really brutal and dark um, i i I, re- I really liked the um the fate of that captain was it was it captain oh what's his name Captain Pike. Pike, yeah, Captain Pike. Pike's fate with the with the this, the time crystals in Discovery when he finds those time crystals and yeah. then he sees his his fate from the original series mm, yeah. and it's like and it's like uh, oh god he has to like live with that 
It's fun knowing, watching knowing the that show, his whole yeah. life is like going to like this one pin- pinnacle moment. Yeah, it's fun because he knows forever. he knows where he's going. The whole sh- from from season episode one, season one, he knows his trajectory. Yeah. So it's a really interesting take on a captain that knows his fate. Um, so yeah, can't yeah. can't recommend Strange New Worlds high enough. If you like the original vision behind Star Trek and want a modern take on it, it's about as close as I think you're going to get. It's about as <laughs> sorry that was that James. <laughs> I was like, that's either Rob's tower in the background that just collapsed, or it was James. Based on the way your eyes went bigger, you're like, oops. <laughs> sorry, Damien. No, no, that's cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I I would definitely check it out. I will I will make it a priority to get back. It's on Paramount, it, sure. isn't it? I think that's the it issue is. I've got yeah, with, yeah, with watching yeah. it. I need to sign up to another streaming service. If it's <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I've just signed up to Crunchyroll so I can watch all the Gundam. Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, like just, half, actually, I'm halfway through the original series, which is that's actually like, weirdly ironic. Really I just signed up weird. for Crunchyroll to watch uh, a show that one of the um, one of my team players requested a birthday game based on an anime that came cool. out recently. So I was watching a few episodes on Crunchyroll because I just signed up for it. So um, mm. interesting, weird. But anyway, sorry to deviate mm. so much from the news. See no, what happens cool. when you mention Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that's you see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really cool news on that. Right, we'll we'll get into D and D. One more story here that's worth bringing up um, before we hit the the timeline of twenty twenty four. It seems I don't know if anybody knew about this prior to this story, but uh, Joe Manganello, yeah, uh, famous D and D player, this. <laughs> yeah, famous D and D player, um, famous in the D and D world. He, he appeared in Critical Role as yep. Archon. Uh, his character can be found within uh, one of the adventure modules as well. Mm. He's, he crops up somewhere. Um, also uh, famed for Deadshot and in movies like Magic Mike. So he's he's a big, good-looking, muscular yeah. guy, you know. But he runs, from what I understand, the most famous, famous D&D group in the world. So big, big D&D guy. He was trying to get a a TV show off the ground based on the Dragonlance setting. Yes. And it right. seems it seems like that has gone away. It seems like that has failed. Yeah. Um, <clears> which is really news. sad news. Um yeah. reading reading the interview, um I'm I read it on comicbook.com. Um reading the interview with him, it seems like there was some really positive waves and feedback coming at him about his script. Yeah. producers really enjoying his pilot and really enjoying the show but it the reason that it fell through that he cites is that the property of dragonlance has because it didn't sell very well is not one that wizards of the coast are interested in exploring anymore it seems it seems <laughs> that the dragonlance setting and all of the associated <laughs> board games and books and material they released for that setting didn't sell very well and so they've decided to focus elsewhere. Um, they haven't said where. And also, I, I mean, I don't know <laughs> yeah. much about producing TV shows, but if the show was good, like no one, mm, I don't know, that's not, that's not necessarily true. But there's been, there's plenty of series where the D&D property as a whole is what I think people would probably see if they put out one D&D TV show and it happened to be set in Dragonlance people would would watch it because they'd be like, oh, yeah. it's D&D. Yeah, they wouldn't get if, if, if they're basing it off books sold, then 
surely, like, you'd... Okay, you go Curse of Strahd first, I imagine. If, you, if you're just basing it solely off, like, modules sold or popular yeah. modules or sets. And, and that's not got any dragons in it. No. There's no, dragon, there's no dragons in it. And there's, mm. like, a handful of dungeons. It's not yeah. like... And the set the setting isn't your typical what like if you don't if you've never played D and D before your immediate thoughts are a fantasy realm medieval that kind of place you know like setting yeah, sure. like where the Witcher is or whatever you know that that kind of high fantasy world mm. that's your go to so if you if you started watching Dun- Dungeons Dragons TV show and it was like Curse of Strahd you're like what the fuck is this there's vampires yeah. and there's this fog and hey eh? I think yeah, I mean exactly. if they wanted to do something a la the Witcher and sort of very similar to that, it would probably be quite a good setting to use, Barovia. But mm-hmm. it's not Dungeons or Dragonsy, really. Yeah. No, right. stop. Which is weird to say, as what a crazy popular module it is. It's, and how yeah. counts, it is, it's but, Counts and Castles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Counts and Castles. And yeah. <laughs> and I know, technically, spoilers, <laughs> there is a dragon sort of involved. And yes, there are dungeons Techni- well technically, technically james there's two there's two dragons <laughs> if you if you activate a certain part of one part of the adventure there's another one but yeah. who, let, who's that nerd? <laughs> who, let, who let a nerd into this podcast? <laughs> I'm sorry sorry i'll see Wait, myself yeah, that nerd. <laughs> fuck you nerd <laughs> J- jc why, why why have you let some nerd talk i'm, I'm so sorry guys i'll, I'll keep him in <laughs> yeah. check get out of here yeah right. yeah right we were just talking about Piss the off. superb owl and now there's nerds showing up what <laughs> get out Get out. Yeah, right. um, how, how I should point you? out it isn't the. It doesn't seem like that's the only reason it didn't go ahead, but it was a big part. Another problematic reason it seems was Hasbro's sale of E1 Studio. Yeah, um, which is uh, another another reason that uh, this right. sort of got shelved. Uh, some of the some of the more interesting parts of the interview for me is uh, hearing uh, uh, Joe talk about some of the attempts he's made to keep it alive. Up to mm. and including buying the Dragonlance property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hollywood he, man, they have the he, power. He yeah. offered to buy Dragonlance in order to make this happen, which I think is fantastic. So they still own the IP, right? They haven't sold it because I know that no. there was that whole battle with um, what, the the Hickmans, right? Yeah. They're the ones yeah. that originated Dragonlance. No, they do. It's still a like shame that. too because I know that a lot of people who are playing through the module are thoroughly enjoying it. The one that came out last mm. year, Shadow of the Dragon Queen. Yeah. So I'm I'm surprised, honestly. I even have it on my shelf. I just haven't I haven't cracked it yet. So. I think the I think the problem with this like the sales of it will probably be if you're in a long term campaign and you don't want to start a new one, it's not easy to slot into an existing Faerun campaign. It's an entirely different realm, not Correct. connected yes. to Faerun yeah, yeah, in any yeah. way. Very, so you very. can't necessarily run onto it from wherever. Right. Right. Unless you, you'd have to go through like a maybe if you like combine that a multiverse adventure and then something Faerun or Faerun multiverse adventure end up in Dragonlance. Yeah. But it's a lot of effort to go to to make a campaign fit in easily. If you if you're not one hundred percent sort of on board and sold yeah. and that especially and everyone's with... excited about. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Well, James, that is a beautiful segue. Ooh. <laughs> A beautiful segue to the roadmap for 2024 and beyond for Dungeons and Dragons because, <laughs> drum roll please, the first book 
on our rundown in this year is Vecna Eve of Ruin. Um, the, book, the book that we were all excited about is actually coming out in May. Oh, nice. Uh, 21st, 21st, 21st of May. Do you know what, right? I swear, I swear to God, I swear to God, this is so fucked up. This is this is what? literally this is literally the campaign I've I've made up for my for my freaking group. Oh, did you get paid? <laughs> did you get paid royalties? This is like full on. It's like I've been reading like what's in there. And I'm like I'm like Eberron, Ravenloft, Dragonloft. Yeah, let me. Well, is it all is... the is it all the places I intend to take all these players to as they as they chase like try and find out what Vecna's up to? In this like, is why what? it was a beautiful segue. Yeah, um, yeah. Because <laughs> let me read you the blurb here. A high-stakes adventure in which the fate of an entire multiverse hangs in the balance. Oh my Tick. god, this sounds so good. The heroes begin in the Forgotten Realms and travel to Planescape, Spelljammer, yeah. Eberron, Ravenloft, Dragonlance, and Greyhawk as they race oh, to okay. save existence from obliteration by the notorious Lich Vecna, who is weaving a ritual to eliminate good, obliterate the gods, and subjugate all worlds. Well, he's not really obliterating everything is he he's just enslaving it i swear to god <laughs> if these obsid blackstone pillars that have been showing up in all the adventures aren't being used in this ritual in some way i'm gonna be so you're gonna annoyed. rebel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I... if they're not they will be now <laughs> guys yeah, right. it's level 10 to 20 yeah yes. cool, it doesn't even start at level one do you realize how many people this is gonna make happy yeah, yeah. right tons of people Oh I'm, I'm my def- god! I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna get it because it's, it's yeah. literally, it's well, literally yeah. exactly the same as what I'm already doing. So oh, I'm, I'm kind of running out of ideas for that one. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> not to overhype <laughs> myself, oh, but even the artwork for the cover looks gorgeous. There's like a yeah, spell jamming great. ship, and you see Raven. Is is that Castle That's Ravenloft? Castle Ravenloft. Yeah, on because, the cover. Yeah, because Hot. you will be going Ooh. from through all of the pretty much all of the settings that are five E official. To chase yeah. him and down. And Greyhawk. We haven't had anything in Greyhawk yet. I don't, yeah, right? I don't think we've had anything in Greyhawk no. yet. No. So. This is the um, first one. Oh my god. So the cover, as as Jacey's alluding to, is is Vecna in this uh, mid-spell casting pose with all sort of pink energy floating around him. He's wearing his resplendent uh, ultimate Skeletor golden armor. And in the background are these two sort of uh, spectral portals. One revealing a, a very spell jammer ship with a a space whale flying through and the other mm. is the very classic distant view of castle ravenloft uh, silhouetted against a, a moon um there is a uh, a limited edition cover coming for this one as well yeah it looks uh, very pretty too <laughs> which yeah which is the classic if you've got got or seen any of the limited edition books for the D&D 5e modules and, and <coughs> it's yeah <laughs> it is that classic kind of art deco um embossed cover it has uh, all sort of gold um nice. affectations around a single hand and eye and eye on the back of his hand yes yeah. um in again like a golden gauntlet I would not be surprised Amazing. if that's another Hydra seventy four cover. It it kind of looks like it. Yeah, yeah, that looks. It's like inspired by it. If it isn't, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and the back um, cover has yeah. uh, a, a ring of uh, symbols and and uh, sort of runes and things to to represent all the different sort of multiverses and uh, places that. You oh, is that what that is? Ooh, so I, I can assume so. I can assume so. There is the yeah. there's the Baldur's Gate 
uh, the very classic Baldur's Gate skull with the the blood droplets around it. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. And then there's oh, that's Ravenloft. The the yeah. heart shape with the triangle above it. That's uh, Chris Strahd's symbol. Yeah. I don't know what the bottom one is. That might be Dragonlance. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I but I, I guess we'll find out. I hope they don't gloss over like um, Greyhawk and and then we don't have then we don't have a book for Greyhawk. You know, there's a lot That'd of be insane, wouldn't it? right? Yeah, right. There's a lot of names dropped there. Uh, yeah. I'll give that again. Forgotten Realms, Planescape, Spelljammer, Eberron, Ravenloft, Dragonlance, and Greyhawk. In a 10 to 20 campaign, best will in the world, I don't think you're spending a huge amount of time in any of them. Yeah. Right. Unless you drag that... it out. I suppose yeah, that's right. maybe what they expect or hope that you will do. If you've got like um, Curse of Strahd and you've got all the information and for yeah. Grover, you've got the map. You've got all the locations of stuff that's. You going could on. go to fucking town, couldn't you? Yeah, you yeah. can. You yeah. can really expand on it yourself if mm. you if you don't if you want to. Um, also, I have hot just. Take. Oh, oh go, yeah, ahead, go ahead. Sorry, oh, no, I have I have just seen that um, apparently if you pre-order it on D and D Beyond, there is a one-shot adventure that leads into this. That oh, you get great! As well, great. notice that. Notice that. Yeah. Yep. There is. Very cool. I I know I've seen who's some gonna, of these symbols. She's going to run it then. She's going to run it. On Rodak, he's going to do it. I think oh. there's going to be a fight. I think there's going to be a fight. Yeah, we'll, everybody, everybody will be running this. this <laughs> we'll do it as a three-part DM thing. Uh, Rob yeah. is ready to shell out the the cash. Um, this is the pull cue. <laughs> the pull cue snap. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. This yeah. is right. it. Sort it out. Make it fast. <laughs> Make it fast. We're That's gonna my have fast. a little tryout. Yeah. 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 Um, so no, good. I actually, I, I know I've seen some of the symbols on the back of this book, not just the the inner three, but the outer golden ones. For those of you, obviously, who are who are just listening in, uh, go and look up the back of the alt cover and help us out. Shout us up on Discord. Yeah, Let us know yeah, where yeah, these symbols definitely. come from, because I know I've seen a couple of them. The one that kind of looks like a right angle, but with uh, sort of like a, a large arrow coming out of it and the other one just next to it. Uh, I know I've seen these and I have I trying struggling to remember exactly where there are seven might of be them. schools of oh no it's not it's exactly i was like it might be schools of magic no there's only seven the seven of them one of and them kind of looks the like the super smash brothers or <laughs> so maybe we're gonna get a super smash tie-in confirmed Vecna Vecna is is a new playable character yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god press, you or would it be, press uh... b to activate his final smash disintegration ray yeah <laughs> oh that'll be fun um so we do have more than just that book, though. So I'm going to go through these in order. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to spend a huge amount of time on the next one. It's very much a kind of, for those that are interested, The we mentioned it previously on a, on a previous episode, the making of the original Dungeons & Dragons, 1970 to 1977. That's coming out in June um, uh, and is a book that includes never-before-seen draft of the original D&D, written by Gary Gygax in 73, and Ooh. a curated collection of published fanzine and magazine articles that contribute to D&D's or uh, origin story. Um, Brilliant. So I know there's a fun, lot of Yeah. That'd be a great. A fun look at history of the, of the game uh, for those that are interested. The cover on that's really nice, too. It's kind of a red with gold writing uh, embossed Ooh. into it. Very pretty-looking book. And like it looks the red like box. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it's going to be a very thick, thick book, a, 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 a dense read on the origin of our beloved game definitely um, worth definitely worth getting if you're sort of thinking about making your own rpg i know there's a lot of people that are sort of toying with that at the moment mm. are creating their own stuff which is awesome so i think having that in your arsenal just to kind of read through and see what 
well, I suppose where it all began, really. When they when were the Ian Livingstone yeah. books? Did they come after D and D or were they before D and D? What the um, choose your own adventure um, books? Yeah, the Ian Livingstone ones. They were great. I feel like they One were late. Oh wow. The yes. War- what is it? The Warlock of Top Mountain. Warlock of oh, nice. Mountain. Nice. No, that's not a hardcover. Damn. Yeah, man. Twenty fifth anniversary edition. That's I why. I don't fuck about. <laughs> <laughs> so look, we got uh, yeah. So you did. Oh, there's, there's loads of different um versions of it. Actually. Have they still got the dice at the bottom of the page so you flip through for your dice rolls? Uh, is that a thing? That's yeah. Amazing. They used to do that. <laughs> Nothing at the bottom. No. What's what's that? Oh no! So when the paperback copies that I had when I was a kid, they had the like two dice, like two d six printed at the bottom of um, each page, and so if you didn't have physical dice to roll, you could just flick through the pages and stop. Flick through the corner to roll your dice. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's fun. That's cool. That is a fun idea. Yeah. It's great that this is one player as well. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. I had there was like a box set of like ten that I had. And I don't think I finished a single one. I tried oh, a lot. I never got through. There was always like, well, I would go well, wrong somewhere. I'd forget where that was. Wow, right. And then well, we just, James, yeah. let's, let's, let's finish this one. Okay. Let's, there do we go. Go. let's do it, team. Well, there's Warlock a new one. Warlock Top Mountain. <laughs> we'll do it on the podcast. We'll read through Right it. now? Should we do it right now? Let's start right now. <laughs> let's fucking Get to do the it right news now. first. Let's yeah, do the news first. Do the news first, Damien. And then we'll... Then we'll, then we'll We'll, we'll 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 do this. Do the whole what? book. Why the hell not? Why not? Settle oh, in, folks. Go get yeah. a hot beverage. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, we won't we won't go for like for like hours and hours. But maybe, maybe like I don't know, half an hour. We could, we could do a couple. We could do a couple of uh, encounters. Figure it out. Yeah. yeah. See what's what. Turn okay. to page. Da, 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 if you want to go this way or that way, you guys right, can decide. Right. You can pretend you're like you're a, a character with like a split personality. Consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not called split personality anymore. It's called something else. I'm sorry. He's back. Oh, he's out. Oh. Uh, Shoe challenged. Who is this dog? <laughs> um, yeah. um, okay, so the next one uh, is quests from the Infinite Staircase, an ah, adventure yes. anthology for characters of level one to thirteen. This anthology weaves together six classic Dungeons & Dragons adventures while updating them for the game's fifth edition. The Infinite Staircase holds doors leading to fantastic realms. It's home to a noble genie, Nafas, who hears wishes made throughout the multiverse and recruits heroes to fulfill them. Release date, 16th of July, 2024. Ooh, okay. That's interesting. I like the books which come out that have sort of one-shot adventures in them that have a consistent setting. So I wonder how consistent this will be because I like the Keys from the Golden Vault. That's probably my favourite thing they brought out for 5e, actually. Um, and the one that's set in the school that has essentially lots of little one-shots in, I can't remember what it... Um, Strixhaven. Not, Strixhaven. Stri- the Strixhaven one, yeah. Whereas yeah. the Candlekeep Mysteries, I didn't like as much because despite the fact they're all set in Candlekeep, Ish. It's very disjointed, I feel, to try and run a campaign yeah. that goes through all of them. I yeah, they they certainly are one like one and done's individual. There's no thematic element combining them. This is just sort yeah. of like a you're wandering around the library, you pull out the wrong book kind of thing. Yeah. When they when they released this, at, yeah, when yeah, they, when they yeah. released this at PAX, when they revealed this at PAX, I should say, um, 
they did say that that was the intention that it was separate stories that were interwoven because of this this genie character. Right. So I'd like to hope it has a a consistent a more consistent through line akin to Golden Vault. Right. Um, let's, let's rather so. than tales from the yawning portal or Candlekeep mysteries. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. even well, even though Golden Vault's adventures are very different, you could pick and choose like five or six to run for a right. campaign, and it's easy to weave a story through them, like very basically just either yeah. you are good guys and you are working for the golden vault and so you're given missions and maybe there's a big bad who's orchestrating sort of all all of the negative effects from from the different quests or you are proper evil thieves and you are doing it solely for the gold but maybe around the half which is what i did where around the halfway point you sort of realize well maybe all these dangerous magical artifacts we're giving to our patron um they seem to sort of maybe interact in a way that is giving us some pause and then they do some <laughs> stuff. And then, well, to be fair, what happened, which I was a bit unexpected, is that they decided that actually we're just going to keep, we're going to keep one of these items and we're not going to give it, give it in because the, the, our fence said that we didn't need to. Um, and the fence was obviously lying. Um, <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> they did need to. Um, and he was very upset. But he was like, "No, of course, no, it's it's totally fine." So they ended up secreting it away with um, some criminal friends of theirs, some some NPCs that they had connections to, uh, and then they were all horribly murdered as the item was retrieved mm. by their fence. And then that spurred them on to sort of turn it around and came came to a head with them confronting <laughs> their their patron. Their so cool. yeah. What a great hook as well. What a classic hook. Uh, whichever whichever of those two ways you take, yeah. it's a classic hook that everybody can get on board with. Um, I think that's the, the the it's a good job the adventures are good in the book as well and have a, a good mm. through line. But that that hook of interwoven heists is just universally attractive. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you guys ever get on with um, uh, acquisitions incorporated? Nope. I haven't run anything from Acquisition Dick. No, I haven't either, no. <laughs> I, I have a bone to pick with that gank. No, I love it. Actually, I, I attended a few of their live plays, like, um, you know, their, their in-person foreign-audience <laughs> recorded sessions, and they're really funny and really, really good. Um, and I know a lot of my friends are into it, but because the book that released is very based in that, and a lot of people view it as, you know, very selectable material for campaigns and I don't strictly outlaw it off the bat. I often get people taking things like Jim's magic coin and uh, you know, distort value as the spells that they can bring into campaigns. And I'm like, every time I see it on somebody's sheet, I go, it's appropriate for Ack Inc campaigns. It's not appropriate for curse of Strahd or something like that, you know? Yeah. But it's it's fine. Uh, overall, it's also very long and complicated. Like the storylines go back way way back to like dawn of fifth edition, I think, or even before that. So, finally, on our roadmap is the three the three big ones, the the core books. Right. Um, this is this is where things get interesting, and for me personally, a little frustrating. Um, so the player's handbook is first. That is due to release on the 17th of September, 2024. Wow, okay. Um, and as we've said before, it's, as with all of these books, it's bigger, there's, it's stuffed with more than they've ever had before. There's huge amounts of player options going to be in this. Um, it, it, 
they say enhanced organization um it's it sounds like it's going to be a hefty a hefty old book uh, with lots of artwork as well from uh, what they were saying at PAX and, and recently that artwork is a big thing for them going forward for these books. Every Good. class having a, a splash page. They said that, that that amazing image of the dwarf that we saw at PAX isn't the front cover. A lot right. of people thought that was going to be the front cover of the book. That was actually one of the splash pages for the fighter because each Correct. class will have a, a, full a, a full A4 splash page of artwork. Nice. To yeah. introduce them, so they ha- they've said they haven't even revealed the cover art yet. Right? No, there's no no cover art for them yet. Um, next up is the Dungeon Master's Guide, and that's in November, November twelfth, twenty twenty four. Again, yes, again, uh, designed to be more usable, more approachable, uh, more of a useful tool at the table rather than a one one and done read. Um, bigger stuff with more stuff, more artwork. Same deal. The frustrating one. Some, oh, sorry, sorry, Damien. I was just going to say, I'm reading something that says it comes with a complete starter campaign, the DMG. That's, that's what they said at PAX, was that oh, it, it would is... have a, a complete introduction to a, a starter campaign, which I can only assume is Forgotten Realms, um, kind of an intro to Forgotten I Realms. And, so, yeah. It'll be uh, uh, Fandelver and above the completed tower instead yeah. of the Shattered Obelisk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is... Which is I think we'll probably take for granted a little bit Forgotten Realms. It's it's a hefty, hefty old bit of of interwoven, interconnected lore, especially now with all the the modules and the video games and the movies, which are all interconnected in some way. Yep. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's a sizable thing to. And then there's of course all the legacy with the books and etc. It's a weighty, weighty world, and so it's, it's so nice... contradictory in so many different ways. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice that they are giving new players of which i'm sure there'll be many uh, a chance to onboard onto that world in an easier more accessible way so i think yeah. the dungeon master's guide is a great place to put that because that's exactly where i'd expect something like that is this is how you get into the world and i'm sure there will be a catch-all of but there are these other worlds that you may be able to explore and we will explore those in due course with more books that you will want to inevitably buy yeah um the, the frustrating one for me is the Monster Manual, which isn't due to release until almost exactly a year from now. Oof. February Bloody 8th, hell! February 18th, 2025. Jesus. What? Which in itself is several months after the Player's Handbook. That's um, so stupid. It's a yeah. frustrating like, day. It's like, frustrating. Because, like, cause like, okay, so the player, Player's Handbook comes out first. So you've got a load of players, and they'll be playing with DMs who don't have access to the new dm stuff Mm -hmm. so if you're in the Mm. middle of it so let's say you start a campaign in september the dm then suddenly changes everything potentially in november with monsters that he's introduced from the old handbooks and then in and then in what is it march march february February, there's a whole load of new monsters that pro- I imagine they're probably going to update monsters as well. It sounds like that book's you know? getting a heavy overhaul, so yeah, it will yeah. be a lot of a lot of changes, which is needed and... to pair with the player's handbook. To Rob's point, yeah, yes, absolutely, exactly. absolutely, because you can't have like a balanced party if you don't know what you're balancing it against. And also, exactly, as well, it's like, and also as well, it's like the new the new monsters they brought out um, in the new book where they where they they had like the legacy ones from 
uh, Volvo's Guide to Monsters. The oh, Morton like, Cannon presents like Monsters done, of the Multiverse. I really hope yeah. they just don't continue this like dumbing down of monsters because it's so frustrating. It's like, <laughs> like don't make them don't make them like crap. Gotta be they gotta be awesome. They've it's oh, they did say at PAX when they were talking about the monster manual that it was their intention to beef up especially higher level monsters without changing their challenge rating. So they would be mm. they would have more hit points hit harder. Whether that right. comes through I don't know. I hope it does. Um, I've got high hopes for this monster manual, but the fact that it's coming out so late, is, I think, I think that is a that is a mistake. It, yeah. If, any, should, if anything, just... I would want the the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual swapped on their release. Uh, honestly, same. I would be uh, honestly, Player's Handbook should be last. As as frustrating yeah. as it is, I'm sure this is purely driven by economics and finance right they want to see because they know that's going to be their hot ticket item they want that end of year rush they want to put it on the christmas lists of people get me the new player's handbook etc right but they should have swapped these that player's it handbook really doesn't make or, or really doesn't come make out sense. all at the same time which would have made yeah, more sense yeah but... like wait until wait until next year like fine february I, I, february yeah. all three of them come out yeah the only, the only reason they, they wouldn't do that is because then you've got to buy three books at once and the cost of right. that will seem prohibitive to many. They need to space out that, so people can save. They did that save. in 2014. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's not a massive deal. Yeah, if if they were going to do that, then, you know, a month or so between, fine. Maybe, yeah. Right. But yeah. September through to November, the first gap between the, the two core books, and then all the way till February, five whole months after the, the player's handbook, before you get your access to your monster manual... That's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Um, if yeah. if here's here's my thought on this. If we already struggle with power creep, right, yeah. and not even in a, as a leveling thing, within fifth edition, where vanilla players' handbook classes are by by and large considered inferior to later releases, like in Tasha's, especially right. Or, or even Xanathar's Gloomstalker Ranger versus Vanilla Ranger, yep. or the the optional stuff in Tasha's that made monks viable, or or Way of Four Elements monk more viable slightly. If it's happening within fifth edition, imagine it happening between editions. Imagine, like Rob, like you were saying, mm -hmm. imagine having a player's handbook with hard new awesome player classes with updated mechanics and crazy abilities versus vanilla monster manual 2014 creatures like the etten or an ogre that has like one attack yeah this is the, this is the thing that annoys this really annoys me because although obviously you guys are all professional dms when you've got a group of kids one of those one of those kids has to be the dm yeah. and they have to go okay, well, fine, I'm not going to be involved in the adventure as such. I'm just going to make up the adventure. So it has to be great for them. You've got to, you've got to give them something extra and yep. like give them awesome monsters and stuff like that to make them feel like, yeah, you're really supported in our community as the DM. Good for you. Good for you for being the DM and standing up and going, yeah, do you know what? I'll do it. I'll be the DM. You yeah. know, and then and you have those, right. like to then like dumb it all down for them. Mm. It's really annoying because a lot of the time, let's let's be honest. If you've got a group of children or a group of like young adults or whoever, group of adults, in fact, chances are the person that decides to be the DM is probably the person that is really into the details and really into like you know 
like wants to spend their 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 private time or their own like time like you know making a world or studying a monster or figuring yeah. out like how things work and the mechanics right. and if they're dumbing right. this all down for them that's just gonna stop people wanting to be the dm they're gonna be like yeah. well, i don't want to be a dm because i'm just it's just a waste of time. I'd rather be a, like a really interesting a character like these guys, mm-hmm. you know? I think what we'll be telling is what the monsters look like in, in Vecna and True. in uh, Quests for the Infinite Staircase because presumably they will That'll already have line. the design philosophy of uh, the monster manual going forward. So we will at least, I think, get a glimpse into what, especially with a stat block for Vecna, what a a mega monster is going to look like. And then presumably in uh, Quest for the Infinite Staircase, there'll be a, a, a spread of levels of well, challenge ratings. Do you the think multi- they're going to use... Oh, sorry, go ahead, James. Yeah. Well, say in the multiverse book, they've they've just they've taken that, that adventure goes to level 20, doesn't it? And they've introduced new monsters into that for it. So I imagine that maybe those are also sort of of a similar design philosophy. Zane, right. Yeah. You know there is a stat block for Vecna already. There is. I, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I had it up a second using... ago. <laughs> oh, no, there <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah. I mean, there's a couple so, of cool so abilities sick. in there. Yeah. yeah, it's so sick. Challenge the, 26. <laughs> there's a thing. So so I remember when this came out and when they were redesigning. This was a couple of years ago. And it came out sort of during the Wild Beyond the Witchlight era and right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Where they talked to how they were monkeying with spellcasting for enemy spellcasters and NPC yeah stat blocks and i think if if this is the direction they're leaning i'm a little trepidatious about this because i feel like they were like oh we want to make options more accessible or or rather we we want to simplify for the dm to run these monsters at their table so rather than providing a full spell casting list or a, a handful of different spells we've taken only a few that they can do at will once per day, three times per day, and then giving them some basic actions that are effectively like upgraded cantrips. And that's how we're redesigning the spellcasting stat blocks. And any any adventure released in the last year and two years ha- follows this design. And I don't necessarily think this is a good thing. I think that doesn't give enough credit to the DMs that have been doing this for a while and know how a spell caster works, right? Like yeah. the, the idea is... Not to overload the DM with too many options. I get that. But taking away options doesn't really seem like a good thing either. I'd like to have a few different abilities, not just one AOE. Maybe my party is resistant to cold because we're fighting an Icewind Dale. So the cone of cold you've given me rather than the fireball that it previously had is not good at, I, I don't know little little things like that so but also especially when you get me. to like vecna level stuff as well why if your why? Adventure, your adventurers are that level to where they're facing something as powerful as vecna vecna should have a ridiculous list of stuff that you can choose from yeah it doesn't well, make sense that they that he wouldn't <laughs> let's let's put it in context i've just out of interest because i'd read it oh, a long while ago and just a quick heads up Spoilers for Critical Role Campaign 1. Okay. Vecna is the the sort of closing battle of Critical Role Campaign right. 1. Yeah. And you can actually view his stat block as Matt Mercer had it uh, on uh, Crit Roll Stats. And just looking at the... Before we get into his abilities, AC of 23, 
five legendary resistances, five legendary actions, and one a, a, a total hit point of one thousand five hundred and fifty. Oh God! Now <gasps> I will I will point out that in that battle, which spanned I think five or six hours, they didn't lose anybody. Hmm. To that, what level were they? They beat that boss. I think I'm trying to. I don't know if they were. I would assume they were twenty. Um, I don't know offhand. It's been a long time since I've seen that campaign. Yeah, right. Um, right. I remember this battle though. Joe was there. If they weren't twenty, they were close. And granted, right. there were a lot of them. You know, they're a big group. Mm. But there's a lot of big groups out there, and so yeah. a stat block like that that didn't bring anybody down mm. and was beaten in the end, albeit. Not so much through damage, although I do think they got close to to getting him down just from sheer hit points. They right. ended up using the the well established MacGuffin to defeat him, but he he his stat block is wild for that battle. I just I, I'm I'm on the same site now, Damien. Three ninth level spells, yes, or spell slots. Oh wow, which I, which I think <laughs> which I think ended up nearly all getting counterspelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, um, right. Yep, but I this is it. Teleport. This is it. He had a group of players who knew what they were doing. They knew their stat blocks. They knew each other's stat blocks. And so he needed a Vecna that was going to be a campaign ending fight. Spell yeah. save DC 26. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your standard yeah. Vecna is what, 22? Yeah. Uh, the, the one released through DD Beyond. Yeah. Good question. I think it's 22. It sounds about right. And that's like at, at yeah, these 22. levels, that's nothing. That is yeah. nothing. AC becomes largely meaningless past level sixteen if it's below, or if it's yeah, if it's below twenty, like nineteen and less. Yeah, it becomes so hard to to say like, oh yeah, you have a plus sixteen bonus to your attack rolls. You're going to hit everything I throw at you unless yeah. it's a boss. Yeah. Right. If you if you haven't. Whether you've seen campaign one, you'll probably agree with me. If you haven't seen campaign one and don't have necessarily the hundreds of hours to catch up on it, it's at least interesting to watch that that finale because that fight is a thrilling it's chess game. Beautiful, yes. A thrilling chess game between one horrendously powerful monster and a bunch of highly experienced players. Um, yeah, really Eyes. cool. Looking at the Vecna stat block, the one that D&D Beyond released, yeah. you know, in his spellcasting section, I know he has special abilities that are don't technically count as spells for the purpose of yeah. not uh, counterspelling them. But in his spellcasting cool. section, do you know how many combat damaging spells he has? One. One. Yeah, lightning one. bolt. Lightning mm. bolt. An at-will lightning bolt. Everything else is situation he has dominate monster these are good spells right he's got dominate monster globe of, invul of invulnerability dimension door uh, fly dispel magic etc but he Thing has is, though, one when is spell when is vector in your campaigns though going to use mage hand or prestidigitation realistically right, right. and why right. well you don't even need to list that i would just like if vector wants to create light or sound or a magic hand to move something less than ten pounds. You just do it. Let you just do it. it. <laughs> right. Is he? Is he? But is is the mage hand making up for the fact he doesn't have a hand? Ah, uh, see, maybe it was important to. Maybe he's, maybe he's just got. Yeah, maybe. maybe he's just got his hand as a mage hand, and that's like, oh, think, I've just got a Peter hand. Peter Pettigrew just, style, right? Oh, <laughs> given, yeah. given the cover, I assume because in critical role he did have the hand of Vecna. That's part of his stat block. Yeah. Um, 
in I wonder whether in Vecna I assume, given the front cover, <clears throat> he is gonna have access to that, if not both of those items, the hand and eye. Um I surely that's part of the campaign is him. He's re- got the golden eye patch on the uh on the on the cover of the the non special edition one, isn't he? Yes, and his hand right. is his left hand is glowing. Yeah, I think it I think he's probably got this mage hand as his left hand there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um so yeah, maybe. I would love. I would. Uh, I would love to know what Vecna's secrets are because if you look at his official artwork, his waist has to be about ten inches. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? What is his dieting plan? Oh, it's being undead for that. It's being undead. Yeah, fine, yeah. But, his yeah. his flesh having, is growing <laughs> off. Having, How do I get that? No waist? internal organs. Yeah, no internal. Vecna organs. releases a TikTok channel, being like, "Hey guys, welcome back to my TikTok. These, these are my exercises." <laughs> No, you just First want to use to... a lot of necrotic magic to yeah. waste away the fat. Fit. This oh, is my lich no. riz. <laughs> First, you need to sacrifice an entire village worth of people. Yeah, yeah right. But take lots of protein. Yeah. protein <laughs> Make sure you're eating eggs raw while you do that. Um, <laughs> He's just a Chad. <laughs> what? What? What is? What are Vecna's hit points on that? On the two hundred seventy-two. On average, yeah, <laughs> I mean, nothing. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. That's that's a couple of rounds. That's a couple. Yeah, of not, yeah. That's I, not even yeah, a couple. Is. Not even a couple of good rounds. That's a couple of average rounds for average a average group of. Yep. I've 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 run them a couple of times uh, against like um, groups of players that are at level fifteen, and they've beaten him every time. Oh yeah, yeah. Three eighty four yeah. at max stats. Even even uh, when I've been an, when I've been an absolute prick at playing him. And like yeah. literally gone to town with like all his stuff, they still wind up beating him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I have got to the point where in campaigns I'm just having Humble. to having to up hit points, but more importantly, up the damage they do. Maybe don't drag out encounters with um, extra hit points. Just absolutely bump up the damage they're doing to PCs because I I feel like there's nothing really that hits as hard as the PCs can for an enemy. Like, the, yeah, right. the PCs will always out-damage enemies, and on top of that, there's more of them. So, yeah. right, yeah. It's, I think, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure this is a deep topic that we won't have time to get into in, in this episode, but there's all kinds of philosophies for this, right? There's a hundred videos on YouTube about this. Um, yeah. I think the idea is, like do more damage sure but spread out your damage more too because Mm. that's the one thing the players can't do when you're fighting a boss is hit multiple targets because they only have that one target to hit and that's what bones you whereas you know i for my for instance one of my favorite spells to use against high level parties is circle of death because the radius on that on that puppy is 60 feet that's a 120 foot diameter circle of something like 10d8 (laughs) necrotic damage or something like that it's it's lovely that covers the ground right and if you're doing if you roll well or or you know if, if it's a high level party and you kind of up the average damage of that you're you're dishing out 50 damage at per per person that fails their save and if you've got a high save like 22 plus you know that's looking nice yeah but but really the uh, the the thing is and of course you know bounded accuracy and and the turn order and everything else you is minions minions is your solution to this but you cannot fight something like vecna alone if you want to have a fight that lasts more than two rounds that's you the thing want is, to give them other yeah. targets to hit 
He's I got Raise like... Undead. He's a necromancer. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 should, yeah, yeah, yeah. He should have minions. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. yeah. Especially, if, especially if he's up against like five level freaking twenty characters. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, he'd be he's like, like he, he's a, a smart guy, right? He'd be like, he'd be like, well, I'll just rise these guys from the dead. Here we go. Yeah. Is is Steve? Oh, Steve, I've seen you for a hundred years. It's like, Is it that time again, old friend? Exactly. To push back on that ever so slightly. I kind of want to from time to time. I kind of want to put them against one monster that can sure. just do a lot of stuff. Uh, just yes. you, you, you referenced a great idea with God of War and the um, the dragon that was using portals to kind of hit yeah, across the battlefield. Things mm-hmm. like that. I, I do want a monster that is like that, that, that can just be the one big thing, but it can hit everybody and it can be really mobile and have lots of get out of jail free cards that just turn the game on its head real quick. I, I get, I get using minions and it can be really dramatically satisfying to do that. But every now and again, I, I do want to see it and I've created them or attempted to mm-hmm. yeah. see a stat block, which is just one monster that is just terrifying. Um, the closest I've got raw is the dragon I'm running at the minute. Yeah, nice. they, yeah. they are. They are. Is that, are you using a raw stat block for that? Pretty much. Ooh, Dracolich? Uh, no, or, it's no, blue. Uh, Ancient Blue Shadow Ancient blue. template. Right. Oh, Ancient Blue Shadow. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, if you play that environment, right? But that's the thing with Raw. Like, you, you can get away with it very well if you are a good designer of your encounter space. If, you, if For that Shadow Dragon, like... There should be no freaking light anywhere. <laughs> there right? is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that those resistances, because he's he's immune to, or not immune, but he's resistant to every type of damage except like three. It's right? force, force, and radiant off the top oh, of the head of the two. Beautiful. That he's, he's not resistant to when he's in. Uh, oh, I keep saying he, she. In my case, mm. she she is resistant to everything except for those two. I think while yeah. in shadow dragons shadow. are a lot of fun. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, so yeah, just ever so slight pushback on that. Just there should be every now and again a monster that is Listen, by itself. One hundred percent agreed. Agreed. Like let's let let hey bring it bring it Vecna in the new book. Get a better stat <laughs> yeah. block. Two hundred seventy-two points. I think, I think it's something here. that you'll have to just <laughs> make. But I imagine no matter what they come out with, we'll have to bump up the difficulty. Especially, I think because they do assume that you're running for a party of what three or four players most. Yeah. Right, most. right. Like four or five is the average. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're running for six and and higher, yeah, you'll you'll need to add stuff to it. It's just yeah. very anticlimactic if they do just turn up to a boss fight and obliterate it. I don't mind. I, I don't I don't go into account like boss encounters th- with the intention like I need to kill a player to make the stakes high. Oh, of course, but you not. need you need no. to make it close. Like you need to make the players feel like oh that that was tough. We. we we either got yeah. lucky to get through that, or like, yeah, we prepped. You want to see a few beads of sweat? Good for that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> you want to have them? On, make them earn. like a little bit of pressure. A little bit of pressure. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Brennan Lee Mulligan, um, who I know is in some ways divisive as a GM. I I love him. I think especially yeah, as divisive work. as a GM. I think, who doesn't love Brennan Lee Mulligan? I think because he's. I think because he's incredibly confident. Which ah. can come across as cocky, which he right. has every right to be, because he is a extremely talented and intelligent GM. His yeah. knowledge is huge. Yeah. Um, I think it, that rubs people up the wrong way. At least from my experience, people I've spoken to, uh, I love him, especially his work on 
EXU Calamity was mm. mind-blowing. I heard. Um, I have to get into that. He yeah. said, I think he said one day, I was seeing an interview with him, and he said, I don't worry too much about the challenge of what I'm putting up against my players. I don't let myself worry about it. I just put it in front of them and let them sort it out. Right. Because I know that they almost invariably will. Mm. Um, yeah, that's was, very true. Which was we, an we interesting get, we approach. Get obsessed with the details of the design, but ultimately, like, is it fun? There's a great yeah. story I heard, and I, not to say that anyone you know does this or or uh, should, but there was a great story I heard at one point of someone who was working with kids in a school that ran, and he ran a D and D club after school. I don't remember who this was, but he walked past a kid and noticed that while they, he was running a, a combat, he wasn't keeping track of hit points. And so he talked to the DM afterwards, the you know the teenager DM, and was like, "Hey, I noticed you weren't keeping track of hit points for your monster." And, and the kid was like, "Yeah, I don't keep track of hit points." And he says, "Well, how do you know when the players win?" And he said, "Well, when it stops being fun." Hmm. <laughs> and that guy was very impressed. And while again, Fair I don't enough. necessarily right. I I don't necessarily think like that's the key to success, right? No. There, I mean, D and D has its has its DNA in, in math very much, but there is something. There's a kernel of an idea there that yeah. there is a point where it becomes a drag. And if you're a good DM, you can kind of tune into it. If you've done it enough, you can see where a fight becomes a slug and you want to avoid that by keeping yeah. things fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, so... suddenly, the door, suddenly the door breaks down. And there's a, there's Jessica. She's got a knife. Don't say Jessica. Don't invoke that power. Get out, my, get out of my tavern, you fucking assholes. I just realized I'm like, I'm like swearing and shouting. I'm in this office block. There's probably people <laughs> Shout out to one of my team players that brought in a new character based on a real person called Jessica from TikTok, and I hate it because they're oh, basically God, just goodness. a real person from TikTok, and I loathe it. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I think for, for us as professional DMs, when you're running a combat and maybe the character whose arch enemy they're fighting at that particular point would drop them to one hit point, you're like, no, you've, you've, I'm not going to leave this for the next player to finish up. This is your story. It's one hit point. I you've, get that. You finish I've them done off. that. I've done yeah. that before. Knowing yeah. who's going to get the last blow. Yeah. Um. I've. I've. So like they're dead. But the op- the wait opposite till way. Till the character comes around. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. The opposite way. Yeah. Exactly that. I've right. given them a handful of extra hit points just to make sure that yeah. the one person who really deserves it this game yep. gets that in, in didn't hit or yeah know. gets yeah. that killing blow. Right. Um. Mm has a personal connection to the villain or something. Yeah, sure. especially yeah, yeah, especially for a personal connection to the villain. Like if they're the one who's killed your entire family and you've 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 got them there. You don't want like the ranger who's at the back or whatever or the rogue to get like a critical hit off and wipe them out before you've had like a chance to like yeah. enact your revenge. No, you want to yeah. give them that moment to be able to I do that comfortably seventy five percent of the time. I just yeah. I just <laughs> wait to see who will who earns it right yeah or, or who deserves it for sure yeah for sure yeah, yeah I, so, I ran a birthday party for for kids um for the i think it's the first sort of kids game i've actually run for a role park and, <laughs> and you introduced vector into I it introduced vector and i party wiped all of them <laughs> and i just wanted to say i had a great time yeah. <laughs> level one characters vector shows up uh, no but like it was it was for a birthday party for the kid and he knocked the final boss down to one hit point so i was like well yeah, I, yeah. i'm giving this to you 
And yeah, that's how you do it. That's that's yeah, what you're supposed to do. Oh, like. imagine being like, yeah, so close. Oh, yeah. there's one hit point left. Sorry. Oh no, action search for you. <laughs> Just, oh, he's the first one that dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they were fighting. Well, I think they were fighting like a, a a black dragon, and yeah, they were all level three, so it was uh, it was quite. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nice. running. Um, I'm running Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. We had a game last night, um, and. To kind of that that particular module has some really nasty surprises for low level play in terms of the monsters it puts up against people. Um, it it, it has they're, they're running an encounter at the moment. Um, so mild spoilers for the, the start of the campaign. They've been given it's very Greek mythology inspired, and they have three great labors they have to complete, and they can choose to do those labors in any order. Um, and they've started at level three because they wanted to start higher level, but the, the module starts you at level one. And according to the leveling profile that it gives you, you don't hit level three until you complete one of these labors. So keep that in mind when you, you're hearing the rest yeah. of the story that they won't even necessarily be level three when they hit this encounter. It is a cave filled, and I mean filled, like every corner, around every corner, are troglodytes, which... Mm. For a half challenge rate, a monster can hit, I think, three times on a turn. Yeah. Really? Oh, yes. shoot. I need They're to use brutal, brutal monsters. And they, have, and they have their stench ability, um, yes. which people yeah. are saving against. Um, and then, beyond that, they face death dogs, which oh, wow. are hefty on hit points yeah. and hit, hit twice, yeah. and multiples of those, alongside a bunch of cockatrices. Which are in there as well. Petrifying. Yep. And then get to the lower level of the dungeon and face a young Cerberus. <gasps> oh boy. That's, that's a comeback like, over multiple days and long rests job. Cerberus yes. <laughs> or one. Just cheese yeah. it. <laughs> and they are they are starting to realize that because they faced the Cerberus for the first time last night and saw how hard it was hitting and the fact it has legendary actions mm. available to it. Now, luckily, I know the group I'm running with. There's, there's a lot of them, and I know they're highly experienced players. So I yeah. wasn't sweating too much, mm. but they are they are getting handily dealt with by this one this one big dog. They luckily because this dog also the, the Cerberus also has two death dogs with it at the start of the fight as well. Um, so even for a third level party, it's a monstrous fight. Uh, and if you're not level three by the time you get to that, any GMs wanting to run this book, I would highly encourage you to reconsider some of the stat blocks that, yeah. that you're putting up your players against in that fight because it against a second level or first level party that would be un, just unbeatable. It would. Be I'm hooked un- on these troglodytes though. Three attacks for a Crazy, CR right? for a awesome. CR one quarter creature. Are they? I thought, yeah, quarter. I thought they were half. Yeah. No, quarter. Yeah. Quarter. Uh, D4 plus two per attack. Ooh la la. That's a wizard killer right there. Just one yeah. of them yeah. ambushes you from above because they can, you know, they and can they stealth. Blend yeah, in they with the hide. Rocks, right? Yeah, they yep. hide. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, good to know. Thanks. <laughs> Odyssey the Dragon Lords. If, if, yeah, if you want a hard, if you want a hard fight, like one of the first monsters they fight is encouraged to have legendary actions and things. It's a, a big sort of god wow. boar, a god boar that they have to fight. That uh, is this monstrous creature of classic Greek style. So, yeah, that is a more brutal 
campaign for sure. There's some really nasty encounters in there. Really fun ones and really thematic ones. You know, they're fighting this Cerberus in a submerged, uh, run-down Mithril Forge with glowing lava. Um, and it's kind of cool. walks out through the corridor. You know, all the chains jangling off of its huge shoulders. I think it is classed as huge as well. It's like uh, a three-by-three three space. That's fun. Still um, a young Cerberus, though. <laughs> still a young Cerberus, yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's a really thematic fight as well. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I really like the like Greek myths and, and legend stuff. I really enjoyed the Lost Odysseys of Theros book. There's just not yeah. an adventure there. As very here yeah. is a setting. You Hit me up. I ran, a, guys... I ran a three shot in it, which is yeah. which was a lot of fun. Um, what do yeah, you guys got... think of Ra- Ravnica? I haven't run anything in Ravnica. I've heard, I, I haven't run myself, but I heard one person, I have a friend who used to be, or I think might still be a Roll Dark player, and they had a different DM running uh, a Ravnica game that they said was by and large the best game they ever played. And the setting is apparently really freaking cool. The monster design is really cool. I actually bought the book because it just, the, the stat blocks in it alone were pretty fun and pretty yeah, awesome yeah. looking. Yeah. If I were going to do the magic setting, I would go for either Theros or Strixhaven. But as we talked about pre- on a previous episode, uh, Theros is where the mythic actions came in. Yep. So they yeah. do, they are all of the books are doing really interesting things. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, honestly, we we were talking about you know high level single boss monsters, and if you if you look carefully enough, and you're willing to do a lot of homebrew splicing, which is one of my favorite things to do, just mm. drag and drop stuff from other stat blocks into one combined stat block. You can make a monster. You can yep. really make a nasty thing. Like, look at the Marut from, or however you want to pronounce it, that large, super hard-to-hit construct. Like, yeah. the, they don't make attack rolls, guys. They just hit. Yeah. They're, all their abilities <laughs> just deal damage. Um, there's only, like, two or three creatures out there that, that do that raw. Um, but there was also, God, uh, oh, the limited magic immunity from the Rakshasa, right? Can't be affected of, seven, of spells of 7th level or lower unless it wants to. What? Yeah. You know, just, or 6th level or lower. There's just some crazy uh, little bits of DNA out there that you could throw into something and make it real nasty and be like, hey, listen, I just pulled this from the Rakshasa stat block, okay? Yeah. Don't don't at me. It's an official yeah, I... D&D ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I doubled a um, Thanks, Jeremy. a skull lord. I had a, a conjoined skull mm. lord, and um, that had been built into one single creature. So it had four arms and six heads, and nice. uh, yeah, could make many attacks on a round, and had all the different head abilities. And um, yeah, that was really fun. To I know Rob likes that. a good skull lord. Love him. Yeah, <laughs> you've used him before, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I used the. Uh, I, I quite like. I like my skeletal like. Um, monsters mm. the um is it the bone claw bone claws one of yeah. my favorites i love mm. the bone claw all my players complain every time i pull out the bone claw menu they're like again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i actually you know where that came from it was a promo that roll dark did um uh, way back when and i i forget exactly whose game it was but they used it it was it was spliced into your edit rob and they had a bone claw but the token looked like it was emerging from the ground and it gave me this idea of them just kind of crawling and how creepy that would look with their long bony arms yeah, dragging yeah, yeah. themselves across the the area and i was like i'm gonna look up that stat block and sure enough 
I was like, oh, these are awesome. They're they're devastating. They've got some really cool abilities, teleporting around, carrying people with them, impaling them on the claws and stuff. So yeah, I love yeah. it. If anyone and, knows, and they're they're controlled by somebody else as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they come back. They regenerate yeah. basically, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. If anyone knows That's Resident it. Evil, uh, specifically Nemesis from yeah. Resident Evil, I had my Bone Claw repeat the name of the group. So my home group are the Lucky Ones. So the the Bone Claw would repeatedly say Lucky, Lucky, and they would hear Ooh. that they would hear that coming, <laughs> um, just in the same way Nemesis says Stars every time yeah, he appears. Yeah. Stars. really frightening just it, you know from just that alone it's repeating your name because it wants you and no yeah. one else yeah really creep really creep them out there's something to be said about telltale right like you always want to or, or i guess the 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 general design idea in principle is to uh, surprise your player something suddenly comes out of the woods you didn't hear it before or something ambushes you but building a sense of dread over a period of time and then giving it a signature like that, like that, uh, you know, stars or, or lucky or whatever. And then for, for instance, in my Strahd campaigns, um, based on something I think I saw on Reddit once, anytime Strahd is out of his castle, the sky goes red. And that was based on, oh, that's cool. you know, something, something else. Right. But like yeah, suddenly like it, the moon is silhouetted, the clouds all become red suddenly. And I put a red filter over my foundry screen. And the second or third time this happens, everyone's like, no, she's coming. Because right now it's a she. And they're like, she's coming. No. <laughs> right. What I like about that is, is that she doesn't, because that all that means is she's out of her castle. It doesn't yeah. mean she's coming for you. It means she's out. Right. So the dread is there, but it doesn't ever always have to involve her appearing. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really That's my cool. next appearance for her. <laughs> Spoiler. I've, I've got a Strahd encounter, which is not as cool as that, but there's uh, a little skeletal cart that's pushed around um, and it's got a bell on it. And so the first time they encounter, you hear a little bell coming through the woods and everyone's hmm. really on edge. Then, oh, it's, it's just the skeleton pushing a cart and you can buy stuff from it. And then the next time, it's the uh, eventually the bells just going, and then eventually it's just Strahd there holding a bell. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Please tell me your skeletal cart vendor goes. What are you buying? No, he's he's entirely silent. It is an honor Ooh. system, and he's just got like a, a essentially like a bag of holding at the back. You nice. put gold. You put gold in. And you take something out. And... There's there's something to be said right there, James. That's a brilliant idea. Just incorporating more silent NPCs because number one, you know, shout out to to the mute community and and the fact that like you know you're being inclusive of non-abled people, and then uh, it secondly less role play for you. You just describe what's in front of there. You don't have to just, come just up with the voice noises. Just just like a... yeah, just like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just like a, a breathy rattle. <laughs> Love yeah. it. And they can't bloody haggle with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, That's, no! My players oh, would I, find a way. They they hand him a chalkboard. Yeah. Now you've got me. Now you've got no. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't like it was oh, supposed boy. to be a five minute encounter, and we've been here half an hour as you tried to haggle down the price of a single trout. <laughs> you won't notice you won't notice the difference in your copper piece just let it go <laughs> okay so oh, do you man. guys do you guys want to do do you want to do this 
Yeah, let's do a couple, oh, yeah, of, yeah, let's yeah. Do a couple of pages. Yeah, a couple of sure, pages. Why not? Okay, right. cool. So you have to build a character, but let's not let's not bother nah, about, about that. That's that's only that's only if you've like if you have to if you encounter like a monster or something. But we're not gonna we're just literally gonna breeze through the. If we do, oh, there's no we'll combat. I'm out. Oh, we die. <laughs> okay, so um, at this point, right about now, some rather spooky fantasy music should start playing in the dis- in the uh, in the distance. Oh, that is spooky. Uh, according to according to the you know, um, oh, yeah. post-productionist. So it's going to be. <laughs> Wonder so, who that was is. It? One, one, one minute. One, let me write this down. Second, because I want to. One, one twenty-three. Right, one twenty-three. One hour twenty-three. Okay, cool. Only a foolhardy adventurer would embark upon such a perilous quest without first finding out as much as possible about the mountain and its treasures. Before your arrival at the foot of Firetop Mountain, you spend several days with the townsfolk of a local village, some two days' journey from the base. Being a likeable sort of person, you found it easy to get on with the local peasants. Although they told many stories about the mysterious Warlock Sanctuary, you could not feel sure that all, or indeed any, of those were based on fact. The villagers had seen many adventurers pass through on their way to the mountain, but very few ever returned. The journey ahead was no doubt extremely dangerous, but you knew for certain. Of those who returned to the village, none contemplated going back to Firetop Mountain. There seemed to be some truth in the rumour that the warlock's treasure was stored in a magnificent chest with two locks and the keys to these locks were guarded by various creatures within the dungeons. The warlock himself was a sorcerer of great power. Vecna? Some (laughs) described him as old, others as young. Some said his power came from an enchanted deck of cards, others from the silky black gloves that he wore. The entrance to the mountain was guarded by a pack of warty-faced goblins, stupid creatures, fond of food and drink. Towards the inner chambers, the creatures became more fearsome. To reach the inner chambers, you would have to cross a river. The ferry service was regular, but the ferryman enjoyed a good barter, so you should save a gold piece for the trip. The locals also encouraged you to keep a good map of your wardens, for without a map, you would end up hopelessly lost within the mountain. When it finally came to your day of leaving, the whole village turned out to wish you a safe journey. Tears came to their eyes, but many of the women, young and old alike, you couldn't help wondering whether they were tears of sorrow shed by eyes which would never see you alive again. Now, turn well, well done, guys, on not referring to the peasants as I was going to say, races. I know, I know, <laughs> I, I imagine know. they appreciated that. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, I was like when, when was this book written? I think it was in 1970-something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 1970-something. Oh, here's the map at the back. Oh, I didn't realize it was this. Ooh, this. Like as, as a voice oh, inside cool. JC's head. Um, well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Where do we get to? 
At last, your two-day hike is over. You unsheath your sword, lay it on the ground and sigh with relief as you, as you lower yourself down onto the mossy rocks to sit for a moment's rest. You stretch, rub your eyes, and finally look up at Firetop Mountain. The very mountain itself looks menacing. The steep face in front of you looks to have been savaged by the claws of some gargantuan beast. Sharp rocky crags jut out of the unnatural angles. At the top of the mountain you can see the eerie red colouring, probably some strange vegetation, which has given the mountain its name. Perhaps no one will ever know exactly what grows up there, as climbing the peak must surely be impossible. Your quest lies ahead of you. Across the clearing is a dark cave entrance. You pick up your sword, get to your feet and consider what dangers may lay ahead of you. But with determination, you thrust the sword home into its scabbard and approach the cave. You peer into the gloom to see dark, slimy walls and pools of water on the stone floor in front of you. The air is cold and dank. The light, sorry, you light your lantern and step wearily into the blackness. Cobweb brush your face, and you hear the scurrying of tiny feet. Rats, most likely. You set off into the cave. After a few yards, you arrive at a junction. Will you turn west, or will you turn east? So that's the that's the entrance to the cave there in the illustration. Nice, no, very cool. So where are you going to go, what guys? East or West? Well, as someone who my players notoriously know, I confuse my East and Wests. So I will leave this decision up to the other two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, my contribution to this, so Damien, you can ultimately decide, but I'm going to pull the sword back out of its scabbard since we're inside, and I'm going to wipe it down because I previously laid it on the dewy grass, which is bad for we don't non- want to rust it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's bad for non-stainless steel, so oh, yeah, I'm going yeah, totally, to totally. dry that out a little bit. Now, as our obsessive compulsive companion here deals with his blade um, <laughs> I think that one should always follow their nose and east smells fantastic to me okay we're gonna go east yeah let's east. go east why, why did you make that sound like the wrong choice Rob yeah. why is that the wrong choice I, I, I'm, 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 obviously, I'm, obviously, I'm obviously reading this as a player. I'm not the yeah, end. I'm a player, effectively. Yeah. As well, there is some. There is some bits of the book that are like that. There was like, uh, do you yeah. go east or west? And there's no more information than that. And you go, oh, I go east. And they're like, you fall into a pit trap. Are you impaled? And you horribly die. Start again. Like, oh well, okay. <laughs> Two hundred and seventy-eight. Fuck me, I guess. <laughs> The passageway soon comes to an end at a locked wooden door. You listen at the door, but hear nothing. Will you try to charge the door down? If so, turn to 156. If you would rather turn around and go back to the junction, turn to 92. That feels like a limited option set. Mm, yeah. <laughs> limited. Can I try persuading the door? Sure. Can we knock? Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to kick the door down or rush at the door. Yeah. I felt I felt good about Damien's decision to go east, so yeah, yeah let's let's break down okay. the door. Okay, let's forge our way forward. <laughs> Certainly not going to stop you having your fun, my boy. Go ahead. 
You charge the door with your shoulder. Roll two die. And the number rolled is less. If the number rolled is less than or equal to your skill score, you succeed. Turn to 343. Let's assume we've succeeded. If the number rolled is greater than your score than your skill, you rub your bruised shoulder and decide against trying again. Turn to 92 and return to the junction. So what happens? Do we succeed or do we fail? Oh, do let's I just, roll let's just, out? <laughs> let's just roll. Let's just roll. Yeah, just roll a d6. If you get above four, four and above, the success. Okay, one second. I'm within reach. And if you roll a and if you roll a six, you can decide what to do. <laughs> the sound okay. of James like going through his stuff to get the dice. <laughs> okay, just one d6, James. One d6. Five. Cool. So you succeed. Hey. Turn to 343. 343. Well, well. Ooh, nice. It's a nice bag. Clearly nobody cleared all the moisture off of those hinges, eh? Yeah. <laughs> right, Bad right through. Dewey cave system. Yeah. The door bursts open and you fall headlong into the room, but your heart jumps suddenly as you realise you are not landed on the floor but plunging down a pit of some kind. No! Luckily, <laughs> luckily the pit is not particularly deep. Oh. You land on a heap less than two meters down. You lose one stamina point from your bruises. Climb out of the pit into the room and leave through the door. Heading westwards, turn to 92. Son of a bitch! So much for your eastern hunches. Yeah. All right. That's a good place, I think, right? Yes, we leave it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, right. Remember that. I'll write it down. All right. Let's see. Yeah, we can do a little. We can do a little bit. <laughs> session by session. <laughs> yeah. Recorded by recording. Ah. Uh, Next trick, time I have trick. an idea, boys, shoot yeah. me right down. <laughs> <laughs> Who said east? Who was that? Right. I'll put that in there. There we go. Cool. Nice one. Well. Um, nice. Thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast, everyone that's listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, James, when are we going to be doing Call of Cthulhu? Um, okay, so uh, maybe I when I make out. my character because I got to get on that. Yeah, at some point. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did. I did. I did mine when I was on the loo this morning. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> okay, so yeah. uh, I will be running an adventure. Um, let's say the week after next, because um, okay, I cool. Need, I need a bit of time. Yeah, and just yeah. No worries. Good. I should um, have time to decide on a name between now and then because that's I, usually how long it takes me. We can we can do a tease for it if you want. So yeah, the adventure yeah, is yeah. going to be the final meeting of the X Club, uh, and each of your characters um, who can be detectives or scientists that is uh, that's my stipulations at the moment um, will receive this letter. Gentlemen, okay, cool. I beseech thee, heed this urgent call. Dark clouds gather over the esteemed X Club where secrets lie buried beneath the weight of guilt and treachery. Two souls, entwined in a web of deceit, shall meet their untimely demise on the morrow, within the confines of the Athenium. Seek ye not the hand of justice, but the whispers of remorse that echo through the halls of the guilty. Take heed, for the shadows grow longer, and may God have mercy upon our souls, should ye choose to repudiate this missive. Yours in secrecy, a watcher in the shadows. Ooh, so cool. the adventure is going to be set in nine, uh, sorry, eighteen ninety-two London. Ooh. Sherlock Holmes is dead, or <laughs> everyone thinks he is dead. 
Um, Reichenbach Falls. <laughs> post Reichenbach Falls. And yeah. um, London is in a state of disarray as crime goes through the roof. Um, and so detectives are being hired left and right in the void that Holmes has left in his wake. You will be three of those, or scientists who will have connections to the X Club. So the X Club is a real um, club uh, from the 1800s in London that were all um, extraordinary scientists in their own right. So I've drawn from that and drawn from the last remaining two. So um, I will not... No, I won't give any more details about them, but they are very interesting Mm. people and I have drawn on a lot of their real-life discoveries um, as weirdly... They fit in so well with Call of Cthulhu. Wow, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. Weird. Awesome. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. It's because it's real, guys. This yeah. This mm. TTRPG was designed for us to start acclimating ourselves to the harsh realities beyond our world in the yeah, near right. future. Well, like so. they're all contemporaries of Darwin, and so um, they formed in the early eighteen eighteen forties, like not long after evolution was sort of the theory of evolution was floated and and came out and they were sort of they were all christian um but also supportive of the idea of of evolution they were sort of trying to stand up for scientific rigor and research and yeah it's crazy you'll learn you'll learn some about them when they're on the game that's cool Um, oh i'm so excited i'm I'm excited yeah i'm excited psyched for it sweet well thanks everyone and uh yeah you'll hear us again next week bye 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 bye